Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of fantasy and romance and all of the magical places they intersect. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Me and the robins here in the secret garden. Hear them singing away. <laughs> Today is Tuesday, October 13th. Pretty sure that's right. Didn't I say it was the 12th yesterday? I'm just going to run with that. All right, all right, I'll check. Ha! I was right. Oh, ye of little faith. Ah. Brush some dried grape leaves off of my chair. I brought my lap blanket out with me to the secret garden because I am wearing shorts. I know I mentioned this before with like sunlight versus shade, but also. It's a funny time of year because the mornings are so cool like this. In fact, I'm going to have to zip up moving my mic. I think I might put up my hoodie too. Not just for decoration. There, sorry about rustling. Um, oh, you know, it's so cool in the mornings. But then by the afternoon, it's so hot in the house. And especially walking on my treadmill desk, I, um, I get warm, overly warm. <sighs> Isn't that wonderful hearing the bird song? I love that uh, it can be mid-October and I'm outside listening to bird song. This is not how it was when we lived in Wyoming. And I have to remind myself to continue to appreciate uh, what a wonderful, long, warm season we have here. It's a big bird flying overhead, and I'm not quite getting a good look at it through the branches. It might be a turkey vulture. It certainly has the wings spread. So you all will be amused that on our next door, I think a lot of you are on these next door forums. It's a, I don't know what to call it. Um, you know, like a, a franchise, something like that. Uh, website thing, I'm a jiggy. <laughs> anyway, you have like these next door and you could choose like which neighborhoods to include. And it's like talking with your neighbors and in some ways, it's like all of the worst parts of social media because it forces you to hear from all of the people that in a normal world you wouldn't listen to <laughs> or communicate with. You know, it's like all of the awful neighbors that you hate and don't want to talk to. Um, their messages appear in your inbox. It can be good for hearing news around the neighborhood. But, you know, I just think it's funny. It's sort of like, you know, Facebook um has made you be eternal friends with the people who never spoke to you in high school. <laughs> social media is weird. And I will be the first to say that I've made many lasting and wonderful friendships on social media. But it's sort of this um, creating these, it's almost meta, right? You know, like these meta relationships where you have the virtual neighborhood overlaid on top of the physical neighborhood. And the same with, like, the high school relationships. It's like these were people you were forced into pro physical proximity with by chance of geography. 
And then we create this sort of meta community on top of that as if it is relevant. I, I much prefer the communities that we choose by mutual interests or, um, you know, overlapping relationships. Why do we need a meta neighborhood when the physical neighborhood is right there? But there we are. Anyway, um, next door can be uh, notably toxic. I hear people mentioning that a lot. And somebody posted on Nextdoor Eldorado like two days ago. David pointed it out to me and we were cracking up because the person said, um, no, maybe it was just yesterday. Uh, the time flies. <laughs> the person said um, that a roadrunner came into their yard and killed one of the songbirds. And did anyone have advice on how to train the roadrunners not to be so cruel to their fellow birds? I kid you not. I am not making this up. I feel like Jeff Barry, not making this up. <laughs> and David showed it to me, and it's like, yep, those roadrunners. How do we train them not to be so cruel? Not that we're anthropomorphizing and understand nothing about wildlife and nature. David said he didn't even bother to read the replies to it because it was like, what do you even say to somebody who asks a question like that? And at the same time, we both sympathized because we'd been so aghast at that sheer lethal predatory strike um, that we're still talking about. <laughs> wow, that was really something to say. Uh, but, you know, I'm the one who, like on the nature shows and the lion's, creeping up on the gazelle I don't want to watch. <laughs> I'm always like, sometimes David wants me to watch nature clips and, you know, like there'll be the leopard cub out there with the, the hippos or something like that. And I'm like, okay. Actually, he knows. He doesn't show me. But I'm like, does the leopard cub die? I have to know first. <laughs> you know, at this point in my life, though, I am embracing that sensitivity. There was a large part of my life when I felt bad about having that kind of sensitivity. Um, people teased me a lot for it. Uh, my family teased me sometimes, you know, worrying about the baby animals. And in, you know, when I would write stories about, you know, sort of the Bambi story, my teachers would kind of give me a hard time about it. And I, I learned fairly early on that it was expected of me to grow more callous about uh, the suffering of animals. And, and in fact, you know, one of my first essays, one of the ones that, that won a prize and um, was the reason that you know, arguably the reason that I got my first essay collection published, the book um, Wyoming Trucks True Love and the Weather Channel, the essay that really, that that alerted the, incited, elicited, elicited, the editor's interest in me, and she asked me if I would put a book together. Um, that essay was of Swallows, Snakes, and Science. And it was about me learning to be a scientist and trying to develop that, um, I don't know, that calloused shell about, you know, experimenting on animals and so forth. 
and and failing at it. <laughs> yeah. So that was a bit of a tangent, but then tangents are us here at First Cup of Coffee. And I don't remember why I was talking about it. Well, with the Roadrunner. Oh, that I've learned to embrace that sensitivity. I have since, now that I am in my later years, it's very funny when I was doing the uh, writing date, one of the writers who was there, and that was a lot of young people. It's a lot of aspiring writers. And they, one of them said that she had been binge-watching Sailor Moon and like all 200 something episodes and somebody else said that they were old enough that i can't remember what it was that they only discovered sailor moon because of something else and i said well i'm old enough that i only heard about sailor moon because the bare naked ladies sang about them and i had to go figure out who they were or who sailor moon was and there was a little bit of a pause. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, oh, did I really pull out the I'm so old that card? Because I, I think maybe a lot of them didn't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> you know, sort of like, who are the bare naked ladies? And what do you mean they sang about Sailor Moon? <laughs> Those of you in my cohort are nodding sagely along with me. Um, so anyway. I have uh, since come to the realization that that sensitivity, that that empathy and compassion in me, um, one, is an important quality to have in this world, full stop, that we do not have, especially in this day, um, with the triumph of fascism, greed, and selfishness. We don't have nearly enough sensitivity and compassion, and we could stand to have a lot more. And second, that it is, see if I were editing, I would go back and fix that. So I would say one and two or first and second to make the match, but you know, we're not editing. So second, I think that makes me a good writer. I think that's part of why I can write so many different kinds of characters because I am able to um, feel from so many different perspectives. So, there we are. Let's see, where are we with actual writing things? I'm not talking about Roadrunners and Compassion and Humanity, although I feel like all of that's very much on brand here. I have been, oh, yesterday I worked on revising Long Night of the Crystalline Moon. What's well, a robin making that call? I don't know what that's about. A uh, little bit of an alarm call, that's why I was interested. I can't quite see the bird bath from where I sit here in the Great Barber. I think I'm going to move it. Maybe I'll do that this weekend. Um, I'm going to winterize the garden this weekend and maybe get out my winter clothes. But also, I think I might get David to help me move that birdbath. It's been in the same spot since we moved in, and it was sort of, I plopped it there, and now I think I'm going to move it so I can see it from the grape barber and from the kitchen window both. I know you guys care, but hey. 
So anyway, yesterday I started revising The Long Night of the Crystal and Moon, the story for the Under a Winter Sky anthology. And it was absolutely the right choice to cut off those first two chapters. I didn't have to do much weaving in at all of backstory. And so now it I'll finish it today because I made it through like 60% yesterday. And that was just in my three hours. So that went great. And I am finishing it today and then giving it to the beta readers to see if they have any tweaks. And then it goes to proofreading. And we were discussing yesterday, we will probably have some PDF arcs for reviewers out in the early part of November. Release day, of course, November 19th. So that'll be good to get off my plate. And then Dorinda gave me notes on Dark Wizard. I think I mentioned that yesterday, um, along with many squeeze. And I expect to get more notes possibly from Sarah today. So I will probably make those tweaks. I'm imagining that I will probably work on both things today. So that takes care of the worky things. Um, what else is there? What else is there going on? <laughs> One thing that was funny in the revising yesterday is, and I've asked other authors about this, and it seems a very common thing. It must be a brain thing. I should look this up. But when we're writing in kind of the furious flow, Maybe that's not the phrase I want, but you know, when it's really flowing, when it's really good and you're writing fast and the words are pouring out, one of the standard mistakes that we all make is the homonyms. And it's, it's like weird homonym mistakes. I'm not talking about like the standard ones that people tend to miss, like the there, 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 or, you know, it's and it's, uh, no, it's like stupid homophone mistakes. Like sometimes I will write K-N-O-W instead of N-O, which is actually longer. I mean, it's not always that I'll do the shorter one. It's, it's like the, my brain just grabs the first word like that it can. And sometimes it's like not even a homonym. <laughs> And so one of the ones that I noticed yesterday when I was revising was I used the word torch instead of choice, which really, there's just no overlap there at all. And I'm sure it's because, you know, the story is about, uh, you know, the celebration of the longest night, and there are lots of torches and candles and so forth. And I'm sure I had like torches on the brain, but... Uh, I typed torch instead of choice. I was going through it and it's like he had no, <laughs> you know, it's like um, he wished that he could change, but he had no torch. <laughs> oh, alas, it's just a really funny thing uh, finding those mistakes that, you know, and of course it's very easy to drop words too. Um, as you're going along writing fast. But the homonym thing is just really a funky syndrome. So, well, I guess I don't have a whole lot else to say. Um, the Robins do. The Robins have many things to say. 
All right, I'm going to go in and get to work. I'll remind you that First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and you'll find more podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. <laughs> and the Robins recommend that also. And I will talk to you all on Thursday. Take care. Bye-bye.